morning to you guys. Excited to be here today. Um, I will start by apologizing if any of you were in the back. The child that was screaming was mine. So, sorry, and God bless our kids' workers today that are in the Crocs room. That, <laughs> so, um, I wanted to read you guys a couple verses this, this morning when, we, when we're getting started. And these are um, a few passages that sometimes when I'm having weeks that seem to be hard or a bit much or high stress or whatever you fill in the blank, um, these are a couple verses from Psalm 62 that I like to kind of keep on a note card and keep in front of my eyes to read. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, and I will never be shaken. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him for for God is our refuge. So I want to just transition kind of awkwardly from saying those beautiful verses to you and ask you guys a very honest question. Um, and I will share my bad habit with you so then you can ponder what yours might be. Um, confessions this morning, we'll start off with uh, Confessions of Jody. So Jeff and I have spent more than half of our life together, believe it or not. I know I look 25, but whatever. Um, <laughs> But so one of the things that I have a very nervous habit of doing is I bite the inside of my lip. Like I'm not a nail biter. I don't have like, I, I don't have like a, something else to do. And I never knew that this was like a really weird thing that like, that's not something common until we were dating and we would be like driving. And not that I'm saying that he has poor driving skills, but sometimes his driving makes me maybe a little bit nervous. And so he would like look over and I... Like, I, you can see my, like, now you'll guess, you're all going to start, like, watching me do this. But I literally, like, when I don't realize it, like a nervous habit, I just will start biting the inside of my lip. And he'll, when we would be driving, he'd be like, Jody, stop it. Stop biting your lip. And now my kids, all these years later, <laughs> bless them, they will say to me, Mom, you're biting your lip. And so... Come to find out, I actually do this a lot. Now, I don't know if it's something that I started to do as a child, but everybody in my childhood, like nobody pointed it out to me until I was blessed with finding someone who decided to point it out to me, and then now my kids do. But I, um, so recently I've been paying attention, like if I've had a really rough week or a week that just didn't got, go maybe as well as I needed it to go in the realm of parenting and stress and whatever, like, if I take my lip and I run my tongue along the bottom of it, and it's, like, totally tore up, I can tell that my week maybe wasn't the best. Um, so, so last week, Roby went to school, and her teacher asked her, you know, how, how was your Thanksgiving? And she said, it was great. And she said, well, do you have your Christmas tree decorated? And, and I'm standing right there, and Roby looks up at her sweet teacher, and she's like, my mom hates Christmas. She, we don't have our tree put up. And I was, uh, I was, number one, I was embarrassed. Number two, like I'm a pastor and I can't, my child should not say in public that I hate Christmas because I don't hate Christmas, but I could tell my lip was like starting. Like I was like so embarrassed. I'm like putting my hand up. I'm like chewing my lip obsessively and I'm running out in embarrassment. Anyway, I'm sure that I'm not the only one that has a poor habit. 
All that to say, uh, last week, Debbie shared with us, and we were starting off this conversation about Advent, and she asked us to write down three words. Um, If you were with us, we, we all got a note card, and she gave us the first word, and then she asked for us to allow the Holy Spirit to speak the other words to us that we would write down. And so the first word was carve. And the idea there was to be a reminder that we would carve out time to be in these stories that we would carve out moments where we would remember who God is to us and we would make that a part of our day. And then the second two words, she asked us these questions. She said, okay, so the second word I want you to think about, um, how would you describe your thought life? And then the third question was, uh, what do you do with pain? And so I thought, okay, I could do this. Like this, I'm like a a, a student, like I can follow directions here. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be real honest. So right when she said that, I like, I wrote down a word and then I'm like, oh no, that's bad. I don't want to, I think, I don't think that's the point of this exercise. I want to erase it and and start over. But when she asked, what's the question or, or what are you, how would you describe your thought life? I wrote down chaotic. And then she said, well, uh, well, what, what do you do with your pain? And I wrote down, ignore it. Um, those are not really good answers. So I I right away felt like, oh, I regret that. And I don't, but I don't want to not be honest. And so maybe some of you moving into this season and it, and it is not lost on me to realize that Christmas time and the holidays are not the easiest, not, they're not always joyful and full of peace and hope and, um, and merriment, you know, sometimes they're hard. And a lot of times they're sad and they can be very stressful and they can cause you to bite your lip. And I wanted to challenge myself to work on those words. Because what I want, what I don't want is that my four-year-old would think that my mom doesn't like Christmas. What I do want is for her to know that the reason why I love it is because of what the season represents to me. What I love most about this time of year is the story because it is the greatest story that we've been given to tell What I don't love about this time of year is that we get sucked into what we think everybody else expects from us. The expectations of culture and gift giving of, of, of how grand everything should be and how perfect your photos on social media make your life look. That's what I don't like. And so it's this like pull of how can we celebrate and honor the story? And how can we dive into the hope of what becomes possible that seems impossible? That's what I want us to try to talk about today. There are those days, and I know that I'm not alone, that we lose hope. And that we perhaps even accept defeat before, you know, you've even had like that second cup of coffee. Like it settles in already and you're like, oh, I have, it's only like 8.05, I haven't even started. And sometimes we hang on to that defeat and that hopelessness and it affects our, our, our everything. We, we kind of wallow in disappointments and worries and fears And that might be the driving force to our day. And consequently, I think sometimes we become become very disillusioned. We become scared about what the future holds because we're so chaotic in our present day. Over the last couple weeks, we've been able to gather with family and friends. We've been able to share a meal, perhaps some delicious food, practice gratitude, We've survived Black Friday, you know, small business Saturday, and you know, our our focus begins to shift to Christmas. The decorations are going up, your children are posting all the things that that they want, um, and they're making their list very categorized with pictures and prices and links to websites. I'm not saying that anyone in my house is doing that, but if they were, um, it becomes a lot, right? 
And some of you, you know, you're like sweating now. You're like, oh man, I, I like you're pulling out your to-do list, adding some things. That's not the point. <laughs> Don't do that right now. What if this year, all of this could be different? And what if we were able to see this season as the true gift of what it is? Remembering the hope that we've been given in the coming of our Lord Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter 7 kind of foreshadows and foretells us what we are to anticipate. uh, Chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give you a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And then in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on, now and forever. The season of Advent begins to take shape, and it is a time, as Jeff said, of anticipation and remembering. The word Advent means the anticipation of an arrival of a, of a person or a great event. And Advent is a season that reminds us that something great has arrived. It is the season where the impossible becomes possible. And we are reminded once again that the promise of God is true And it came. The promise is true for our hope. It is a hope that is beyond any. And Advent is the season for vision, for seeing God at work all around us, for seeing this story for the very miracle that it is. As Jeff mentioned in the giving time, there are these amazing stories of scripture. And the title of the chapter this week is actually called Women on the Edge. So I felt like I kind of trumped that. And I was like, I'm speaking on this chapter because I'm a woman. Um, but I also like when I read it, I was like, is that, does that mean like women on the edge, like nail biting, like lip biting women, like we're about ready to go over the edge. Or does that mean like strong, powerful, bold and brave women who are willing to do something that seemingly came across as completely impossible and they made it possible. So we see these very parallel stories, one in the book of Genesis, where we have Abraham and Sarah, who we, we see this promise given to them that wasn't coming. They were promised a child, and they waited, and they waited, and to the point where it seemed silly to even keep hoping that that actually was going to happen, that that actually was going to come true. And then what happens? The angel comes to them and tells them that they are going to have a child Even in their older years, it seemed like an impossibility. They were given hope that this promise would be fulfilled. And then later, mirroring this story, kind of echoing it in the Gospel of Luke, we see the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And they, too, have been praying and longing for a child year after year. And then one day, Zechariah was visited by an angelic messenger telling him that his prayers would be answered. And he questioned this, right? Like he, we, you remember what happened in the story? Like he questioned and he says, we're so old. Like we, we can't, we waited this too long. We're, we're not able to have a child. And then what happens because of this doubt, he, the ability for him to speak like throughout the duration of her pregnancy was, was taken from him. Now we need to just pause on this for just a second. I have had four children 
And if there was a time that I could have said, I wish maybe Jeff didn't have the power to speak for just a short amount. I mean, not like nine months, not maybe the 10 months, but there would have been probably a couple weeks during every one of those pregnancies that I've been like, yes, God, take his voice now. Like, I mean, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe Elizabeth was just like, oh, Zachariah can't talk anymore. But I mean, I'm not trying to make light of this, but I am kind of trying to focus on that just for just a second because I feel like we skipped the part that like he wasn't able to talk to her. And there's just some things about pregnancy that, you know, we don't need opinions about. That's just all. That's all. I mean, the back to the story. Anyway, um, so the Jewish culture of this time, like all seriousness here, um, they would have been able to really relate to these two couples. Because what we see and that happens like in the stories of the prophets, the major and minor prophets, is they're actually challenging and encouraging these people, the Jewish people, to, to, to dream big dreams and to long for this great king who was coming one day. So they would have been able to see these two stories, these stories of these women, and think, huh, that waiting, that feels very familiar. And, and really, the frustrations that these couples experience would, would have been very relatable to the people of this time. Their promises on delay again and again. Almost to the point that it didn't even make sense for them to hang on to the promise that they were given. Would their promised king and Messiah ever come? And how much longer were they going to have to wait? I don't know about you, but I've definitely had moments where I felt it was completely ridiculous to hang on to a dream. A dream that maybe I had from a, a long time ago or a dream that I may ha- maybe had just yesterday. There are times when you think, man, I have been waiting to see this happen for far too long. It is not going to happen. And I can, I, I can assure you that I should just walk away. That is very much what a many of the people at this time in this place would have been feeling. Our Messiah is not coming. From our chapter this week on page 68... Uh, Our author, Brian McLaren, writes, All of us experience a sense of frustration, disappointment, impatience, and despair. And we all feel that we have the capacity at some time to give birth to something beautiful and good and needed and wonderful in the world. But our potential goes unfulfilled or our promising hopes miscarry. We live on on one side with our dreams and then on the other on the border of despair. And then the impossible happens. The young relative of Elizabeth named Mary, who was engaged and not yet married, was visited by an angelic messenger, saying to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. From Luke chapter 1, I'm going to read you guys this incredible story. Starting in verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with a child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren, and it isn't, she is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to, town, to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. You know, because Zechariah couldn't talk right there. Um, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored for the mother of the Lord, she said, should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed for what the Lord has said to her she will accomplish. So these women, these three women, Sarah and Elizabeth and Mary, all sharing stories that in any scientific mind would be seemingly impossible. Both Sarah and Elizabeth were past age to bear children And it wouldn't make any sense for their physical bodies to be with child. And Mary, for all we know, was a 15-year-old, unmarried, um, engaged to be married, but not yet, young woman. And we see each of their stories. And and what we can notice is, is that nothing is impossible with God, like we just read. And really, if that, that sinks in, maybe that's truly the point of what we are to gather from these stories. Stories where the, 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 the presence of the Holy Spirit cannot be denied. Stories that, that these beautiful women communicate to us that, that hope is there and can be seen. What if the purpose here is to challenge us to blur the line between what we think is possible and what we think is impossible? Could we arrive at the place when we believe God's justice would flow? to the lowest and most God-forsaken places on earth? Could we arrive to the place where we believe that the brokenhearted would be comforted and the poor would receive good news? And if we think never, that's impossible, then maybe we need to think again. Maybe it's not actually too late for something beautiful to be born, something beautiful to come forth from the ashes of our lives. And maybe each of our present moments are truly pregnant with possibility, things that we could never imagine. In Richard Rohr's book, Preparing for Christmas, he writes, Jesus is not telling us to believe unbelievable things as if that would somehow please God. He is saying much more to us. He is much, I'm sorry, he is much more saying to us, try this and you will see for yourself that it is true. But the initial trying is always a leap of faith into some kind of action or practice. Let me sum it up this way. We do not think ourselves into a new way of living. We live ourselves into new ways of thinking. It is how we live that changes who we are. The stories of these women should provoke each one of us to dare to hope for bigger things than what we see, to hope for better days and bigger dreams fulfilled, and to not lose heart on the things that seem entirely impossible. The stories of these unlikely women give us permission, in fact, draw us in and invite us 
to see the seemingly impossible as possible. So there was much intentionality involved with how Jesus came to be with us. So this time was a time where pharaohs and Caesars were in fact called sons of God. And the leaders of the ancient empires were superpowers, creating and building powerful nations that could not be stopped. And often this power, the high power that we would see involved in this culture, would be associated and connected with high corruption and certainly disconnected to who God was, the humble, loving, and gracious characteristics that we know to be true. So in this story, God is making himself known gently and creatively through the life and womb of a young and strong and brave, powerful woman. A vessel that would have been, in fact, considered the weakest choice in the eyes of this time and setting. But she, Mary, she was willing to say yes. And so this child, Jesus, would come, and not in a way that we would have expected. And not to be remembered for an aggressive, uh, you know, entrance or powerfully showing up on the scene. But he came in this way to radically change our thoughts on what a powerful king should be. He came with kindness and gentleness and mercy and forgiveness. And that became available to every one of us when he entered this world. His true power comes to us humbly and unexpectedly. And actually quite wildly through the life of this young soul. And daring us to believe that impossible things can be possible even today. So let's say that we were standing in a room right now. And now, let me just say this ahead of time. I've picked these people, so you can pick your own people. I'm just going to tell you who I would pick to be in a room with. And then if you're like, I would never be in the room with them, just edit yourself. So if I'm standing in a room, or you're with me, or maybe you have your own little group. But like, let's say I'm standing in a room with Bono, and I'm standing in a room with Oprah, maybe Tom Brady. Um, Just... Go blue. And Ellen, like Ellen, of course she's there because I love her and she's my best friend. Um, so let's say I'm standing in a room with those people. And, and maybe you're, you can put yourself in that situation with your chosen group. And let's just say, like, that would be hard. Like, it would be kind of awkward because, number one, like, who do you start with? Like, who do you start to talk to? Because, like, they're all pretty amazing. Like, who would you go to first? I mean, and then number two, like, what, what do you even say? Like, hey, I'm Jody. Like, uh, like, I mean, like, what are you going to even say that's going to make any bit of sense? Okay, so that's the scene. Like, we're all, we're just having this very awkward, I'm like, standing in front of these amazing people. So let's just say in that moment that in walks the door, a young woman, and she's holding a three-month-old baby. Now, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I could stand in front of Bono and have a conversation with him that was super awkward. But what I'm going to do in that moment is I'm, my eyes are going to beeline to that baby. Like, and I'm sure that mom is, like, entering the room. She just doesn't want to draw attention to herself. And she doesn't want anybody to be bothered by her, her maybe her baby that's crying. But, but to me, like... There's, there's not a person in that room that wouldn't kind of make an eye towards the door, right? We are drawn to innocence and we are drawn to vulnerability. And if you've ever been in a grocery store and there's a woman in front of you that has the cutest baby in the world, like for me, I mean, maybe not all people can relate to this, but I'm definitely like peering over, like trying to get that baby to smile at me because like it's like my goal, like I'm going to make that baby like me. Like I'm definitely trying to like inch my way towards that mom giving me permission to hold her child. But like, and I don't want any more children, I mean, I don't, like, I'm fine. 
But I do, I do think there's something about a child that is unsuspecting and unassuming that draws our attention in. And, that, and a child walking into a room of greatness, that would be the, the least likely hero of the space, right? Like we wouldn't imagine that that child would be the most powerful person in the room. And so God knows this. And he understands that we will be drawn to the hum, huma, humanity and the human qualities that Jesus brings. That we will see that and be drawn to a savior that comes in a way that we would not expect or imagine. So Mary presents herself to the Holy Spirit to receive and cooperate with God's creative power. She surrenders and receives and nurtures and gives her all because she dares to believe the impossible is possible. And her son will consequently model that self-surrender and receptivity to God. Advent is a season that reminds us that there is something great that has arrived and continues to arrive in our lives. It is the season when we remember that the impossible things become possible. And we're reminded once again that this promise of hope that God gave us is true. And it has come. And it's the good news. The promise of this true hope, beyond any other hope that we could hang on to, it's a season for vision where we start to see that God is here and he's with us. He always has been. And I think sometimes that's the challenge because we often imagine that God is elsewhere. That God is somewhere off in the far distant. And what I would challenge you guys to walk away with today is to see that your best access point to God is right here. That the the incarnation was made possible so that we could sense that God was among us. And then the Holy Spirit was gifted to us so that we could sense that, that God is within us. And that's how we know who God is. That's how we can sense his hope is real during this season of remembering. I'm going to invite the band to, to join me up on stage. So if we were to say that God is with us today, that he's around us and he's among us and he's within us, and he wants us to see his work and to see his hand and the people that we've been gifted with and the communities that we're involved in and the loved ones and friendships and relationships, we see him show up. That hope covers the hopelessness. That joy covers the despair. And when we tire of waiting, he's asking for us to see that he's already here. Can't you see his presence all around you today? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters in the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. Richard Rohr, in the same book, Anticipating Christmas, he writes, The problem is solved. Now go and utterly enjoy all the remaining days. Not only is it always Advent, but every day can now be Christmas because the one we thought we were waiting for has come once and for all. So this is what it means to be alive in the adventure of Jesus. And the band is going to share a song with you, and I would invite you guys to listen to the words from the perspective of Mary. 
We present ourselves to God. Mary presented her life to God, her body, her story, her future, her possibilities, and even all of her limitations. And she said, here I am. And that's what he's asking for us to say too. Like Mary, here I am, the Lord's servant. Let it be with me according to your will. Would you make that a part of your prayer with me today? And as they sing this song, I would ask for you to say to yourself or or out loud to God, whisper it in your heart, here I am, let it be with me according to your will. So as that song beautifully communicated in this Advent season, what Mary, what she's willing to say is here am I, take all of me. I am the Lord's servant and I want your will to be done in me. So in this Advent season, I have kind of an action step for you. I mean, Debbie did homework last week, so I'm going to try this. I don't know. Maybe you guys will listen and try this out. So one of the things in an Advent tradition, and you don't have to go out and buy like fancy Advent candles or anything specific, but there's a way to kind of challenge yourself to remember pieces of this story. And so the first action step or challenge in this week is to take some time to simply light a candle, to sit for a moment, and to make that your prayer. Remembering Mary's story that she remembered and reminds us that the impossible is possible, that God uses this creative power to bring his son to the earth. So whether you just, it can be a a tea light candle from Dollar General. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but just to, to sit, make yourself maybe sit for five minutes light a candle, and to make a a, a moment where you pray and remember the story. And you kind of put yourself in Mary's shoes, or you think about what life would have been like, and celebrating her story because it, it is part of the hope that we are telling and thinking about and remembering during this time of Advent. So would you guys do that? Homework? Got this little homework? Because next week, who knows? Matt speaking next week, he might give you more. So, I mean, I'm just asking you to light a candle and pray. So I want you guys to do that, to remember this story. Um, And can we do one more thing? Can you help me with something before we all go? Oh, wow. Yes. Um, So we have this awesome opportunity to celebrate Justin's birthday. Justin's turning 18, and we're so excited to get to celebrate with him. Um, but But I kind of learned that we also have a really other very important birthday with us today. And I normally would not do this, but, um, our friend, Jeff Marr over there, (laughs) he is such an important part of, of the leadership of the Grove. He's one of the elders. He's been an elder and for a while and, and just a dear support to Jeff and I, and we appreciate you so much. And I heard it's your birthday. Maybe. So maybe what we could do in just a very solid way to, to end our time together, we could, we could say happy birthday with, with so much passion that maybe Justin could hear us in the back, but that Jeff would definitely hear us right here because we love, we love you, Jeff. So can you guys do that with me? Can we say on the count of three, happy birthday? And just from your heart, you know, it's to Justin and to Jeff. Okay. So, all right. One, two, three. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you guys. And we will see you next week unless you're coming to the birthday party tonight. So uh, thank you so much. We'll see you next week.